Hello and welcome back to another episode, episode 15 at that, that sums it all up. Hope everyone is well. I've got four games to have a word on. Some perhaps will take up a bit more time than others. Since we were on the last episode, that was our 4-2 victory over Leeds. We progressed to the round of 16 in the Europa League after drawing 1-0 to Benfica and then beating them 3-2, progressing over two legs. Thank goodness for that. It didn't look like it was going to happen at one point, but we're going to talk about that. On the domestic front, we lost 1-0 to Manchester City a couple of weeks ago and then managed to return to winning ways last weekend with an impressive away victory at Leicester, fielding quite a rotated and, well, experienced side, but not sort of positive experience from this season, really. So I think we're back into the top half of the table. Obviously, there's plenty of games going on this week, so we shall see where we end up before we head to Turf Moor to face Burnley on Saturday lunchtime. So, like I said before all of that, let's get stuck in. And today we welcome back onto the podcast Julian Plen, who blessed us with this, his presence after the rather unfortunate result against Wolves. So I, I'm, I'm sure we'll be in more, more uh, positive spirits today. Hello, my friend. How are we today? Well, well, good to be back. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Good to be back on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I, the last time I was on, it was after the Leeds game. Got a lot of goals in that game, but I've been watching, uh, there's been a lot of football on in the last couple of weeks. Have been mo- watching much of it at all? Yeah, mate. I mean, what else is there to do these days? Football's what I live for each week. Literally wake up and my, my week is structured around when the Gooners are playing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I must say, to be fair, like, I found... I think before Christmas and stuff, I was watching so much football, obviously because all the games are on TV and stuff like that. And obviously I'd watched all the Arsenal games, but ordinarily sort of pre-COVID, I'd watch the bigger games, miss a couple of them, but always watch Arsenal. And then this year it's been very much watching every single game. And I, in a weird way... Every possible chance. Yeah. And in a weird way, like that was as fun as that is. And, you know, loads of footy. I sort of am looking forward to to when maybe I can focus more just on Arsenal and not sort of have so much just like, oh, well, it's Tuesday, so there's more Premier League and there's Champions League. And that was after Monday when there's like three games and it's just quite, it is quite intense. But I suppose that's uh, quite hectic because you know, of the calendar and all sorts. So we're not going to complain about it. But no, let's get straight into it. Uh, let's start with the Europa League. So we're through to the round of 16. We're recording, so a week ago today, we're recording on Thursday, the 4th of March. So last week, we were at this time, it's it's 20 to, 20 to 6, we were, we were approaching kickoff in the second leg. Uh, we went into the second leg with a one-all draw. Bukayo Saka got the goal. Uh, Smith Rowe conceded a rather unfortunate penalty, hit his hand, and... Aubameyang missed a hat full of excellent chances. Do you, is there, just before we get onto the second leg, was there anything else, if you can cast your mind back to that first leg that sort of stuck out? It wasn't the most entertaining game. I think we probably should have won it, but yeah, was there anything that, that you wanted to say about that game? I mean, I was certainly less disheartened. I mean, we, it was not the result we wanted, 1-1, but you know, we had a second leg to, to grasp it, which I thought we would comfortably get onto that I'm sure but um, yeah I mean it was it was slightly disappointing but not too gutting considering you know you knew, we knew that we had the second leg to come should have obviously won the game both games pretty definitively but as you said Aubameyang misses his chances at least, at least he's getting the chances yeah yeah and I think that that first leg really did highlight when you give Aubameyang chances He'll score plenty of them, but he'll also miss plenty of them. And that's why you need to give him a lot of chances. And I do think he had the chances in the game. We should have probably, you know, scored one or two more. But at the same time, I think we only had about, you know, around over the two legs, I think we had 17 attempts on goal against a Benfica side that, you know, were clearly there for the taking. And we showed that we were a superior team. So I think it's still an issue, sort of creating chances. And you know, if we created five more for a Bamiang or something like that on the night in the one-all uh, draw, then he probably finds the back of the net. Um, it is, it is just a sort of he's a very much a, a quantity player. You need to provide him with the chances, and he'll he'll take sort of, you know, as as many as he can. But it does just show the fine margins that we're sort of relying on at the moment. Um, yeah, I mean that one-all leg. I mean, I remember seeing a stat after the after the game saying that Arsenal have, I think. Uh, exited from in the second leg sort of seven out of the last eight times um, 
or something like that, or playing a home leg in the second leg. So even though I was feeling quite confident that we'd beat Benfica because clearly we were the better team, you know, there there was still plenty to play for. And <laughs> that came to that came to pass in the second leg. Um, I mean, it was our home leg, which was played in Athens. Uh, we're obviously going back there when we take on Olympiakos in the round of 16. Um, just before we go through that game briefly, what were your what were your like overall assessments of? I mean, the two legs, but then also the way in which we went through. Um, because I think obviously it was a great thing that we managed to go through, but I'm sure there were plenty of uh, differing emotions uh, whilst we were trying to get through to the round of 16. Yeah, I mean, I I saw a lot of people said it's um, claiming that it was one of Arsenal's great European nights <laughs> all over Twitter. That was that seemed to be the trend, and I'll tell you, I did not feel like that at all. Yeah. Um, it didn't feel like we won the game. My reaction after, I was just, it was more just complete relief. Um, God, as soon as they scored their second goal, it was it was like classic, classic us. But, you know, you got to give some credit to them. We showed some resilience. We brought on, I think it was Parsi and Tierney, did we? And then, it, I mean, we created a couple more chances, managed to put them in the back of the net. Yeah, it was Willian. Tierney started, yeah. So we brought on... And, and, uh, brought, yeah, it was strange substitutes to bring on, you know. Um, I think Arteta was getting a lot of stick for that. I mean, you do have to praise the character of the team. We, we did manage to win the game in the end. We can't really complain that much about going through. That's the That's the goal at the end of the day. But God, we made it hard for ourselves, didn't we? Um, yeah. We've done that a fair few times, haven't we, as well? Yeah, we really did. Well, it's interesting because we spoke last after the Wolves game where we sort of played really well. And then, you know, David Luiz was probably very unfortunate to get sent off. But classic case of being in complete control and then one lapse of concentration or something, you know, to to allow the opposition to get back in the game. And, and we got punished, punished really harshly. But this was another example in the second leg of... I re- to be honest, I really didn't like the the first half. I know we went 1-0 up, but I thought we were playing slowly. I thought we were playing really cautiously. And maybe it was, again, just with the knowledge that ugh, the margins were just so fine that I knew that there was always a chance that Benfica could sort of pounce upon a mistake or a lapse of concentration. And that's what they did. I mean, Ceballos, you know, a couple of minutes before half time, gave away a free kick. Obviously, you can't dispute the quality of the free kick. Um, and maybe it's unfortunate to sort of blame him for that goal. But, you know, you just manage the game state. You've got a goal. Don't concede a free kick in a dangerous position just before half time. And then, of course, we, we saw what happened when he tried to head a ball back to Bernd Leno. Um, was far too short. And then the Benfica player went through on goal. And at that point, I really did think, well, I wasn't even angry. I felt like this was sort of just a real damning reflection of where this team are at the moment when the sort of stakes are high and it's not in a sort of one-legged cup final, i.e., you know, in the FA Cup last year, we're incapable of sort of consistently, um, yeah, just being, um, doing the jobs that we need to do in in a way that wins football games. And I felt really like, sort of dismissive and uh, despondent about the idea of us going out. I was like, well, look, if we're going to go out and we this is what is happening and we can't beat this Benfica team, then that's sort of fair enough. It would obviously be a better pill to swallow, but I wasn't too fussed. And then Kieran Tierney sort of scores a goal straight away. And even then, to be fair, I thought, well, I'm still not sure whether we're going to go through. And so like you, I wasn't really feeling, by that point, just seeing what had happened, I think it was bringing up far too many scars and memories even when the goal went in to to make it 3-2 I sort of just didn't really know how to react I was like well that sort of shocked me it was more a sort of shock than a than a sort of feeling of of sheer elation and oh brilliant you know comeback of all comebacks and and stuff like that but yeah I mean I guess what what do you I mean a lot of people are sort of saying we deserve to go through and I think we did but but what did you make of sort of yeah whether we deserve to go through and um 
why maybe the the, mar the margins were so fine and we had to leave it so late to, to go through in the end. I think if you if you look at it from a non-Arsenal fan point of view, we did deserve to go through. They um mm. they really didn't threaten much. I think pretty much all their goals throughout both ties were I don't want to say lucky, you've got to give them credit where credit's due, but I mean relatively un they didn't really threaten us that much. I didn't feel nervous. I didn't feel like we were out of the game. But then as an Arsenal fan, you can see that the two goals, pretty quick succession. It was just like, we do not deserve this in the slightest. More so just the fact that we let it get so close. Um, I just, it was, it was, it was pretty unbelievable. Not unexpected, but unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that, and, and yeah. so, that comparison that just to jump in there that you drew, like it wasn't that they deserve to go through. It's that we maybe didn't deserve it because of the sort of mistakes we were making. Yes, we were the better team, but the fact that they were able to score three goals against us, having created basically nothing from, from, you know, conceding a penalty, a free kick, and then giving them an open goal sort of shows speaks volumes of, of, well, <laughs> you know, you don't deserve to sort of win, Europa League or Champions League European ties when you're when you're giving away those sorts of uh, those openings. Absolutely unforgivable. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't want to put too much blame in, blame on the individual. Um, I don't I don't mind Tobias as a player, but we really just needed Bukayo Saka to just save us once again, relying on a 19 year old wonder kid. Mm. Um, it's brilliant. We've got a player of his caliber, and it's it's. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm absolutely in love with the guy. But to be relying on a 19 year old kid to get us through European ties is not the place that you really want to be. And it's not hugely sustainable. I think he's a a consistent performer, but it's just not a sustainable way to win games by relying on the youngest player on the pitch. Um, he hasn't yet really, but like he easily could have a couple off days, which. He's more than entitled to, but if that happens, what what next? You know. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, like you say, Bakayo Saka's form has been next to, you know, uh, you, you can't criticize it at all. He's been excellent recently, and like you say, you know, having gone one nil down in the first leg, he's the guy who pops up with the goal in the first leg. His two balls to Abamyang to set up both his goals in the second leg were were sort of pinpoint. Um, perfection so accurate even when he looked I thought he looked really tired throughout the game really I mean sort of after the first 40 minutes or something like that you could see that his energy levels were draining but he still had the capacity to make the difference obviously Aubameyang when you give him that sort of service most of the time he's going to find the back of the net um, on the occasion he probably will miss like you know last season against Olympiacos but that's what you need but like you say it's 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 rather risky and you're sort of asking for disappointment to put all your place all your all the responsibility on a on a on a young man's shoulders to sort of keep you going in 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 the Europa League and we know how important the Europa League is for us but i think also we can come on to sort of maybe the um the counter argument to that what we saw against Leicester but we'll come on to that in in a bit but yeah just in terms of players who stood out i mean there were three main ones really in, in across the two legs, I mean, stood out in a good sense. That is Saka, obviously, we've just talked about Aubameyang to, to score the couple of goals. He could have got a third. I think he was offside on one occasion, especially last year when as much as he scored the goal that sort of, um, he scored the goal that made it look like we were going to go through Olympiacos, against Olympiacos, he also missed the chance towards the end. So I think it was really important for him to get the two goals. And Kieran Tierney, who, who sort of scored the goal to equalise on the night and that was just sort of everything that Kieran Tierney is about um, I did want to mention uh, Willian like you say it was slightly strange to see him come on he did set up Tierney's uh, goal and Arteta described it afterwards as sort of being related to the game state Benfica sitting deep and therefore maybe not as uh we couldn't maybe use or utilize the strengths of Pepe and Martinelli, for example, because they're players who like to get in behind, perhaps. That's sort of what he was going for. But 
you know, he contributed in his assist. He looked slightly better. And then we obviously saw what he did against Leicester. So maybe this was, you know, that decision was was vindicated. And I do think, like you say, he was getting, Arsenal's Twitter was popping off when Willian came on. Because he wasn't, he hadn't played basically a minute for Arsenal for, for ages. And why are you bringing on someone who hasn't contributed at all in an attacking sense instead of the likes of Pepe, who has, who have contributed recently, but also seemingly found themselves on the bench. Um, but yeah, what did you make of, of Willian's contribution? Um, and then obviously we'll, we'll take that further in, into the Leicester game, of course. Um, look, he's, he's before the second leg, I think we can all definitively say, bar the first match of the season, he's been pretty awful. Um, that being said, Obviously, with an experienced player, you expect them to come. And especially, he's not even changing countries or leagues. He's literally switching from North London to South London to North London. Um, you'd expect him to kind of hit hit the ground running. But I think maybe a little bit of, of leeway needs to be given. He's changed clubs, you know, so there is always time that you need to adapt. New team, new style. Mm. Um, I also don't want to get too overexcited and claim that he's back to his best and he's going to he's going to lead the line and all of that but you know i think he's he's shown a past couple of games that he he can contribute something um maybe give the guy a chance until until he shows otherwise but but yeah maybe maybe it's just a matter of um settling into the team to the style of play um, but i mean he he made somewhat of an impact so you can't really blame him for that and at the end of the day we're through um, he played some. He played his role, and I, I guess it's just move on and then hope he can sustain this kind of form that he's in. Yeah, and and maybe it was a case that he needed one of those moments. I mean, I don't think he would have come on um, in the Benfica game if he hadn't been showing something in training, or you know, because Arteta has has used him incredibly sparingly um, over the last couple of months, and he came on and he contributed, and maybe he just needed a moment like that to sort of. You know the step the the game was sort of getting away from us and and almost not that there was loads of pressure but like you know anything will do you just need something and a pass a simple pass to Tierney and obviously you know it was an assist but Tierney takes basically all the credit for it but maybe he just needed a moment to sort of be like well I can I can contribute and I can remember how to do these things and maybe we'll look back again I don't want to get carried away but Again, I don't really think it's something to get carried away about. I think, you know, as if Willian can can contribute to the level which we expect, which is not going to blow us away, but be effective, like he was in the Benfica game when he came on, like he was against Leicester, then I think we're we're going to be better for it and a lot happier because no one really enjoys having these figures in in the team who are sort of you know the, the scapegoat or the constant recipient of abuse and uh and negative feelings <laughs> I just deserved it but um yeah I mean obviously we're through um we are facing Olympiacos again so that will be interesting I don't think it's a terrible draw to be honest I think it gives us a good opportunity to sort of put put wrong put right the wrongs from last season obviously we'll we'll meet up with Socrates as well who's who's moved to them which, which will be quite funny um, but I, d- I don't think there was anything else really to add in the Benfica about the Benfica games. Um, I mean, again, we'll get onto it. But in terms of rotation as well, I guess it was interesting to see Smithrow and Erdegaard start both games alongside Saka and Abamyang, um, which was obviously the same as the Leeds game also. Um, and I guess it showed that we were really prioritising the Europa League because we had two games sort of in between those two legs and we rotated. Um, so d- anything that you wanted to add on sort of like team selection in those two legs and sort of if it worked or whether it didn't. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty interesting seeing Odegaard and Smithrow play together because I think most of us expected they were kind of going to be switching in and out between themselves, um, similar mould of player. Um, I didn't think it was bad at all. I think they're both obviously we've seen a little bit more of Smith Rowe, but I think Odegaard's definitely showing some good good potential. Um yeah, I mean playing together wasn't the most successful, but it certainly wasn't awful. Um mm. I'm not sure if Smith Rowe is quite as effective out on playing on the on the right hand side or the left hand side than he is down through the middle. 
Um, but I mean, if, if Arteta thinks he can find a way to slip them both in the team, we need as much creativity as, as possible. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that we've got too many options, you know? Yeah, I, I, I like you. I sort of, I can see why he went with it. It worked so well against Leeds. You want to sort of give these younger players a chance. And I also think it was it was more to to provide as much as possible for Aubameyang. Um and also the likes of Pepe, who, you know, have been impressive of late, but tend to give the ball away a bit more and, and try things. And I think Arteta sort of probably was a bit more cautious. Having said that, I do think Smith Rowe has looked better in that central role. Obviously, he'll still contribute wherever he is, but it does look like his influence has waned slightly. I mean, he did, you know, he pulled up injured against uh, Leicester. So maybe it was a case of him sort of becoming slightly more fatigued. But I do think it will be exciting to maybe see Pepe come back on, come back in on the left or maybe even Willian after his impressive showing against uh, Leicester. Um, so yeah, let's, let's leave the Europa League there and get on to, to sort of what's been going on in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, I, it was clear to see that the Europa League was the priority and sort of maybe rightly so. At the same time, I don't think we can sort of write off the Premier League because, you know, we've got to continue building the momentum and, um, you know, finishing 10th is just not good enough. You want to try and get into those Euro- European places, especially when the margins are still so fine. There's still minimal points difference between, you know, say, fifth sixth and tenth but then you've you're playing Manchester City and then you've got less so afterwards so I mean the Man City game I don't think there was much to say about it I think it was one of the most predictable outcomes or predictable sort of ways of a match progressing that we've that anyone absolutely as football sees I mean they could have been three no up in about 10 minutes they scored an early goal again they just you know, every time they come to the Emirates, we just looked completely shell-shocked and, and have no idea how to cope with them, which is a testament to their quality. But I wasn't really expecting too much, especially, you know, seeing the likes of El Neni and Pablo Mari and, and even Pepe coming in. It looked as if he was rotating out certain players who perhaps would have been more effective. Um, anything that you wanted to say about the City game? I know it was like a week or two ago now, but before we get on to the Leicester game, which was more important, yeah, I mean, it, uh, the outcome was pretty inevitable. Um, let's not take anything away from City. They are the most informed team in the world right, right now, without a doubt. Mm. Um, and I mean, if you look at the result, obviously a loss is a loss and you can't be saying that's a good result. But, you know, 1-0 against the best team in Europe right now, my opinion at least, um, isn't awful. But I do agree, we could have it could have been 4-0 by 10 minutes. Um, I thought we responded relatively well. But um, obviously not enough. We did it. We looked like we were pretty resigned to defeat from the get go, and that we were also happy to just lose one nil rather than four nil, which isn't great. But you know, I mean, we're very different caliber clubs at the moment. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, we all knew we were going to lose. We lost. wasn't awful. I think everyone was. No one was that disheartened by it and was ready to move on to the next one. Yeah, I do think that was promise in the way that. You know, the first 10, 15 minutes were pretty, pretty dire viewing for Arsenal fans. And we were sort of fortunate to stay in the game, maybe. But we did slowly start responding. The likes of, I mean, Bakaya Saka was excellent. He sort of looked like the only player who was on the level of of the City players, which, you know, wasn't that fun in the sort of post-game narrative when everyone's sort of talking about how how much uh, Pep Guardiola was praising Saka and you see Saka talking to Phil Foden and Carl Walker after the game and you're thinking, well, how long is it before they start sniffing around <laughs> yeah, exactly. at his feet? But yeah, uh, credit to him. He was, you know, he played against, he'd, he'd been the talisman in the in the Benfica game and then he, he sort of looks equal to the City players' level. Uh, was Was the only player really giving them problems. But again, we didn't create much. City were... I mean, they weren't great once they once they went ahead, but I don't think they had to be. And they sort of they got their act together uh, after half time and and sort of shut us out the game. But look, it was it was a game, you know, it was our eighth consecutive loss in a row to City in the league. I think you know we lose to them all the time at home. So as I say, it was predictable. And I think maybe if we'd not progressed through to the round of 16 in the Europa League and maybe not got a win against Leicester, 
then that result would have maybe been more important. But I think in retrospect, given you know how good Man City are and our record against them, I don't think it was the worst thing in the world. So on to Leicester. I mean, this was a really fun game, I thought, uh, bar the first sort of 20 minutes, which were pretty, again, you sort of thought, oh, this is going to be a classic post-European hangover like match where Arsenal are slow out of the blocks and we've rotated a lot and we're going to lose and Vardy's going to score and we'll get someone sent off. But it didn't go like that, which I think was, was sort of what maybe made it so enjoyable. So just before we get into the game, I mean, did you have any... What was your initial reaction to, to all the rotation? Uh, did you sort of accept it or were you slightly preoccupied with the likes of Willian and Lacazette and El Nenny starting? I mean, I, I think it was pretty expected that we were going to rotate to an extent. Um, as you said, Bukayo was looking quite tired the previous games and you can't force a 19-year-old to play that much. It will, it will just be bad for his his physical development. Um, and you can see, you can see the way that Pep does that with Foden. He, no matter how good on form he is, he will rest him, and he knows that the risks involved. Um, so yeah, I don't think it was that unexpected. The rotation, it was obviously pretty. Um, you see Willian on the team sheet and Pepe together, and you're like, Christ, this could this could go badly. Mm. But they, I mean, they did seem to prove us all wrong, didn't they? Um, I thought it was an exceptional game, super exciting to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was just, I was, you know, it's, it's it's also sometimes nice to see some of the other players um, see what they can do and see if if they are actually good enough well, to that play was, in the Premier League for Arsenal. That was the important thing I think from this game is that we've been accustomed to. I mean, we're obviously in a better moment now, but being able to introduce these players because you need to because you can't play the same team uh, four games in the space of ten days. You know, these players have sort of they were playing minutes during our, our sort of wretched spell before Christmas. And, you know, they looked so terrible because, well, we were in a terrible form, terrible form. So everyone looked terrible, but perhaps these players particularly more so because we expected more from them. But now that we're in a better moment and, you know, they've sort of been taken out the firing line and the young boys have come in and, and then these guys come back in against the Leicester team who obviously have been blighted by injuries, but, you know, are still a good team and, they're, and they they were third in the league sort of going into this game. So I think it was really encouraging to see the likes of Willian, Pepe, um, you know, Pablo Mari come in, do quite well, Lacazette even contribute. Um, I thought it was really good. But yeah, just before we get into the to the, to the positives of the game, I mean, it didn't start well. Uh, Xhaka sort of played a ball into Willian. I mean, a really stupid ball that uh, Willian then lost. Um, Xhaka was... I mean, we know he's not quick, but he made Yuri Tielemans look like a sort of sprinter when he's not. And Pablo Mari sort of preoccupied with uh, Jamie Vardy in the in the middle of the box. David Luiz was also caught flat-footed sort of when the ball was given away. Then Mohamed Elneny sort of just like, don't really know what he's doing in the middle, sort of guarding the space as opposed to shifting over uh, to Tielemans. But yeah, I mean, I guess it was a, decent goal from uh, from a lesser point of view uh individual sort of run and, and goal but I mean watching that as an Arsenal fan again we talk about this reaction so much but we think oh classic um and it's really easy to get sucked into that and after that I was thinking oh god I was really sort of hoping that maybe we'd get a win today because we could really do with one in terms of our league position but we responded like really well so do you want to just talk about um, any of the, I mean, the first half, let's take the first half because we went 2-1 up by the time the first, uh, the halftime whistle went. Anything that that stood out for you and, and sort of players who did well? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I was, I was just, it was kind of, it was, it was kind of nuts how many free kicks we got in that one same position yeah. or in the same area in that first half. Um, just credit to Pepe, he was absolutely skinning their their, their fullback. Poor Luke, um, who got a yellow. Yeah, poor guy. To be honest, he got exposed. But um, I, it was just we were getting good free kicks in that position. But I was just like, God, we don't do anything off set pieces. Like it's just it's useless. It's slowing down the game. Mm. Um, we had that penalty shout, 
um, early on with Pepe, which mm. I thought, I mean, I mean, that's what VAR is there for, isn't it? I wasn't too, I was disappointed with it, but I wasn't too angry at the, at the decision. It seemed like the right decision. Um, but yeah, Pepe looked good. The, the goal was awful that we conceded. Um, absolutely awful. Just what like, it was just, yeah. How do you, how do you let a, a center mid who's not known for his athleticism run pretty much a third of the pitch and then the great strike, but like, come on, who's closing him down? It, it somewhat reminded me of that hazard goal against us when he shook off Coquelin. Obviously it was a lot less impressive because he had a direct path and Hazard's a completely different player. You know, you, you expect him to do that kind of things, but you, mm. you cannot let an unathletic center mid do that to you. Mm. Um, but yeah, great response. Um, Thanks to Pepe, he really did did stuff. And then we managed to get the goal. And just before we halftime, we got the penalty, which Lacazette slotted away. And yeah. I was I was um, the pessimistic side of me was expecting him to miss just because there was no way we could go okay. in in front at halftime. But um yeah, I mean great response. And going into the half, I was I was shocked, I was relieved, I was excited, and it, it looked pretty good. Yeah, and I think it was just really refreshing to see us. I don't think we've been a team who ordinarily can can come back from from going a goal down. We sort of don't really win games or or fight back when when teams sort of go one nil up. I think that was that was what was really difficult or made it even more difficult during our our period of bad form. We'd sort of go a goal behind, and then teams would just not really do anything because they knew we wouldn't create anything and and we just didn't have that that sort of capacity but you know now even with a rotated sort of front line and different players in you know pepe on the right which was again slightly uh surprising because he's he's looked a lot better on the left of late and that's where he's been used but maybe it was so that he could get out the fullback luke thomas but you know he looked he looked really hungry to sort of you know win his win his uh, his battle with the fullback he was you know, taking people on, he looked physical because he's quite, you know, he's, he's, he's not like, he's not a sort of classic um, sort of slight winger. He's, he's, you know, he's more of a forward and he's got, you know, he's quite tall headers. He's strong in the challenge. He can really sort of hold his own when people come in for challenges. So it was really impressive to see him sort of, you know, he was taking shots. He was driving into the box. He also, you know, his link up play with, with the sort of midfield players, especially when Erdegaard came on, you know, he looked like he was a lot more in sync with his, with his teammates, which I think is probably what Arteta must be craving so that, you know, he can be part of this system, systematic sort of attacking pattern play, but then also, you know, drive into the box and, and use his skillful, um, you know, talents because that's the sort of player he is. But yeah, it was really good to see all of those um, elements come together, um, you know, throughout the whole 90 minutes. And he kept going after half time. He sort of, you know, was always looking dangerous, running in behind. Um, and obviously he got the goal uh, after half time to add to, I mean, his assist sort of, because he, 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 you know, it was his shot that got uh, handballed by Ndidi, as you say, could have won another penalty. And yeah, I think he did really well. And likewise, the guy on the on the left, Willian, like we were talking about. Um, yeah, you said you didn't want to take too much, you know, stock from this game and sort of say that you know he's he's back to his best and he's going to be the guy for the rest of the season. And I I'd agree with you, but I think the difference was was quite like crazy to see. Like he did look a completely different player. So I just wanted to ask you, did, did you think there was a particular reason for that? Or, yeah, I mean, what, what was it that, that Willian did that, that made him just... He, I mean, similar to what you said about Pepe, he just he showed a lot of desire, um, more so attacking, but, but still showed it. And he had that one beautiful play where, you know, he, he took the... He was on the left-hand side and took it inside and then, and then played the pass. Um, and I, I mean... You could put it down to what I was saying before. Maybe you just needed some time to settle. Mm. Um, as an experienced player, it's not what you want, but but you know it's 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 tough to move into a new team. Um, I was not expecting those two players to win us the game against a team that you could say has been considerably better than us all season. Mm. But look what happens if I mean Arteta showed them faith and they repaid that faith. 
um, pretty substantially, actually. Um, so yeah, he was great. Um, I do think one thing that um, it's not really much to do with William, but one thing that was very indicative of, of the game, particularly the first half with, with the amount of chances Pepe was getting, was the right back. And it yeah. really did just show where we do need an improvement there. Um, not that Cedric was great, and that's why he, but I think it's pretty Cedric, he's not going to be our starting right, but we don't want him to be our starting right back. He's a great squad player, but he was just providing things that Bellerin tends to not provide, coming in with the overlap, um, allowing Pepe the option. I mean, he's a trickster, Pepe, so he needs the option to trick. He can't just, otherwise, you know exactly what he's going to do each time. Mm-hmm. So he needs that option running on the outside. Um, and I thought that was pretty indicative of, of maybe some higher priority stuff that people may not have thought so before of what mm-hmm. we need to do in the summer. Yeah. But, I mean, good to, good, to, good to show that with a win and not, not show it getting exposed with a loss. Yeah, definitely. I do think, I think it was, like you say, it was, really, it was a really good point to consider the, the lack of relationship that's developed between Bellerin and, and, uh, and Pepe. And look, you could say that when, when Saka's been playing on the right, it looks as if Bellerin and him have quite a good understanding. But I think the type of player that Pepe is, he always wants to come inside. He's not a player who can sort of hug the touchline and, and beat his man and cross it in. He wants to come inside. And Bellerin is also a player who tends to come inside. He doesn't have that sort of overlapping tendency anymore. Whereas Cedric is a guy who sort of, like you say, we don't want him to be our starting right back, but he'll get beyond Pepe. And then it gives the defender... A, choice to make it's like do you follow the man or do you come inside and then Pepe can either play outside or go inside so I do think in terms of partnerships Pepe has has lacked that and if it if he's a player who we want to get the most out of whether it's on the right on the left I think you know his fullback partner is really important to that because I think he is more of an inside forward um, than a winger and I do think Arteta's system is perhaps you know, maybe why he wanted Willian to come in and maybe play from the right as he thought that that's sort of more what uh, suits his attacking, um, you know, game plan. But I think he's had to adjust and I think it's really, really promising to see Pepe sort of play well. And and when it comes with Cedric, I think it's, it's yeah, it's important to take note of that. And like you say, I think maybe it is something that we do need to address in the summer. I mean, right back and, and centre forward, just to go off topic, you know, we've got decent players in those positions. We've got Bellerin and Lacazette, and you wouldn't necessarily say that's a priority because we've got players in those positions. But in terms of the way the squad's balanced and the sort of what you lose when you play maybe Bellerin and you play Lacazette I and mean, how it impacts the, the whole way the team's playing, maybe it is a priority to sort of, you know, also from a financial sense, you can sell these players who are still going to probably command a decent fee um, as opposed to sort of others that we've let stay for too long and then we get nothing for. So I think it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world as much as maybe Bellerin's a popular figure and I really like him because he's been at Arsenal for ages and Lacazette obviously hasn't been great recently, but I, I, I like him. You know, maybe we need to be a bit more ruthless and sort of say, say, well, these guys maybe, you know, that's sort of what football clubs need to do. They need to be sort of decisive in their decisions and be like, well, we're moving in a different direction now. These guys have done a job but they're not what we want going forward so let's go a different direction um but yeah just just bring it back to Willian quickly yeah he looked like he remembered how to sprint his you know he was looking forward he was driving with the ball he looked confident with the ball he just honestly really did look like a sort of proper weight had been lifted off his shoulders um and it's good because we need rotation we need people to be able to contribute from the bench starting it was great to see Saka sort of get a full 90 minute rest I mean honestly against Burnley I mean we'll get on to it but it'll be interesting to see who starts now because there's definitely an argument to suggest that you sort of need to rest maybe the likes of Saka ahead of two legs against Olympiacos and Spurs Um, but yeah was there anything else just before we sort of look ahead and wrap up today that uh, stood out for you I thought Granite Xhaka was excellent in the Leicester game as well. He was the only player, I think, or outfield player rather, to sort of play 90 minutes in all four games. So I think we do need to mention his his uh, return to form. Yeah, I mean, even even more so than actual form, you 
that guy's gotten a lot of stick from Arsenal fans. Some of it rightly so, some of it wrong. But you can't question his commitment and his his dedication. He does give it his all. He makes a mistake here and there, but to play, as you said, four games, 90 minutes in a row and still try his hardest and and produce some good games. I mean, yeah, he needs to be credited with that. Um, I think he's the kind of player that we can't necessarily rely on to be the game changer, but if he's in a team that has the ability to to play well, I think he can be a really important asset and, and, a, and a very integral piece to it. Yeah, and I do think it's unfortunate that maybe, look, I think we've all said for a long time, you can't rely on Granit Xhaka to be your, your most consistent, most available central midfield player. And it has been the case this season because obviously Thomas Partey has been unfortunate with injuries. But I think, you know, we've got a player there who, you know, when I compare it to other areas of the squad, which perhaps need strengthening or, or altering in the summer, I do think we, maybe we need another central midfielder probably. But I think Xhaka as a pairing with Partey sort of works maybe. And we haven't seen it enough this season. So I don't think it's sort of his presence in the team is... is is really too um, too much of a problem, but relying on the fact that it's sort of you're more dependent on Thomas Partey's quality than you are maybe on Jacker's. But you know he's been excellent, I think, sort of since that that Burnley shenanigans. Um, so yeah, I mean we're, we're facing Burnley again at the weekend. But yeah, I mean it was our second ever win at the King Power. We don't tend to do well away at Leicester. Um, I thought it was a really important three points, a promising performance, especially after playing, you know, losing to City, just getting through against Benfica and then capping that sort of hectic 10-day uh, period off with a, an impressive win. And then we sort of got to do the same thing now. We've got Burnley, which I expect us to win. Then we've got the, two, the Olympiacos game, then we've got Spurs, and then we've got Olympiacos again. I think we've got West Ham maybe after that. So let's just look ahead quickly. Um what are your thoughts going into the Burnley game? Um, what you expect, uh, team you expect, who you'd like to see, with a view to, you know, the two games against Olympiacos and the North London derby next week, which I think is is, I just really want to beat Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I would like to see more than anything. I want to see Pepe get a consistent run of games. I think he's shown he deserves it. Um, see what he can do. I also think we necess- not necessarily should. I don't think we should prioritise Burnley respective to the other games just because I feel like we can win a game like that with, uh, you know, quotation my second team. Um, they are, ah, no disrespect to the Burnley, but they're not a team that, that players like Pepe and Willian should be able to, shouldn't be able to be, you know. Mm. Um, I have, yeah, I'm hoping to see, to see a good, solid performance. I'm, intri- I'm interested to see what um, Mikel's going to do with with party bringing him back um maybe to start get a bit fresh get a bit of um you know get used to the, the gameplay because he's been out for so long mm. but at the same time he's shown to be a fairly injury prone player at least this season for us and so maybe you rest him until we really really need him um but i think he's he's got a bit of a selection headache but not in the bad sense um probably in quite a positive sense um yeah i i would personally say um maybe a little mix of, of uh, best players um, mm. and maybe some fringe players against Burnley. And then definitely a lot of, a lot of emphasis on Olympiacos, but then we come to Spurs, which I think is, is, I mean, more so for the actual position in the league table, but I think more is just like a symbolic way. We, God, we need to beat Mourinho, man. Like, yeah. losing to hit Mourinho is one thing. Losing to Spurs is another. Losing to Mourinho is Spurs is just, it's hard <laughs> to take. I think they have been pretty, I mean, besides their big win against Burnley on the weekend, I think they have been a pretty not great recently. I think it's an opportunity we definitely have to beat them and, and come play some of our, our football. Mm. But again, you never know. He, he, he seems to be our bogeyman. And I'm just, as much as you, God, I want to beat Spurs. Well, it does just tend to be the case that, you know, that they, um, they're they in a poor run of form or like Harry Kane and Son are like injured just before playing Arsenal. And then, you know, the week before they'll like win a couple of games really convincingly and then come into the game and then use the Arsenal game to sort of spur on the next 10 games of their season. So I really hope that sort of doesn't happen in the way that it tends to. Um 
I mean, this is why I think the Leicester game was so important because it showed that we, we could, you know, I didn't think, obviously we were arresting the likes of Aubameyang Saka, but now I'm thinking, well, you know, does it matter sort of which combination of forward players you're using in the Burnley game? Rest the players who maybe need a bit more rest. I think maybe he should know sort of which starting 11s he might want so that he can manage the minutes. Because I think, you know, as a squad, everyone's going to partake over the next 10 days. Um, maybe Partey starts and plays like an hour and then comes off. Um, and then you, you know, start him against Olympiacos. I think him and Xhaka are sort of pivotal to this sort of period of, of uh, four games. Um, again, you know, maybe that's the great thing. Because I think if you lose against Leicester, then the pressure to win the Burnley game and start all your strong players is is more intense. So I think there's, again, like you say, it's not a necessarily, necessarily a negative selection um, headache for Arteta going into the Burnley game ahead of the Olympiacos and Spurs games. I think there is more room for rotation and different combinations and players being able to slot in. Um, so, yeah, I, I expect a win. I want a convincing win. I think it would be really unfortunate um, to sort of, you know, beat Leicester and go through to, uh, in the Europa League and then sort of, you know, drop points at Burnley. Um, so, I've, I, to be fair, I mean, I've got quite high expectations going into this period. It's challenging, but I expect us to beat Olympiacos over two legs. I expect us to beat Burnley. And I expect us to really compete against Spurs in a way that maybe the last two games, since I mean, we've played them twice now with Arteta and we've lost both. Um, in sort of quite similar ways um, than just hitting us on the counter. Uh, so I expect us to do things differently. I think, you know, third time lucky or something like that. But I expect us to, I don't want to lose against Spurs. So basically, I don't want to lose over the next four games. And I think it's very realistic that we 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 don't need to do that because I think we, we have shown enough and hopefully have learned enough from, you know, the, the Leicester uh, win, the, the Benfica win after two legs as well so that's sort of my thoughts I mean maybe I'm setting myself up to be disappointed but I don't think realistically we should be expecting less from these games um but yeah do you, do you just want to have a final word on that before we wrap up for today yeah I mean I just I think I think that first game against Olympiacos is huge because if we can get like a definitive win maybe a 3-0 4-0 it means we can actually have a have a think about resting the players for the second leg, which is again huge for the future fixtures. So, yeah, I mean, they're, all the games are important, but they they obviously vary in in how integral and how how important it is to win decisively or to just get the points. Mm. But I mean, it's it's certainly exciting. I think we're we're looking better than we have in in recent weeks, and I think hopefully some of our opposition Spurs have looked worse and and can can continue that bad run of form against us yeah and and that's the thing like like you say um winning convincingly in the first leg against Olympiacos would be excellent because then that that brings the momentum into the Spurs game and then maybe you can go all guns blazing in the Spurs game and then rest or rotate a bit more uh in the second leg um but you know I think it's really important to just remember that I don't think as much as maybe the priority is the Europa League, but I don't think you can prioritize with your selections um, in, in the sort of obvious sense. I think it's got to be calculated and certain players will play minutes in, in the sort of priority games, but then also in the non-priority games, because it's, it's more complicated than that. But I think it's an exciting period and it would be great to sort of kick it off and continue the, the positive uh, energy from the last couple of weeks with a win against Burnley so I guess we shall see um, but I reckon unless you have anything more to to add or, or want to share then I reckon we'll we'll wrap it up there so um, it's been great to have you back on the podcast Jules as always so thanks for your time appreciate it thanks for having me mate it's been brilliant as always excellent and uh, just a quick reminder that you can find every episode of that sums it all up on my Mixcloud page that's www.mixcloud.com forward slash Alfie-Steiner. You can also access all the shows via my Twitter at Alfie Steiner one As always, thank you for listening 
have a good week and until next time i'm sure we'll be back on the podcast at some point next week and over the next few weeks with with sort of the, the vast quantity of uh, important games coming up so until then take it easy and see you later
Drew by 